Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or physician, and you're interested in building an enterprise platform, what? Yeah, that's right. We're talking built for scale here, my friends. May 10th through 12th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's a two-day event full of tactical knowledge to take your business to the next level. Our Building Your Enterprise Platform event is aimed at those wanting to grow from roughly five locations to 15, 20, 30 or more. And there's never been a conference like this one to teach you how to do just that. Over two days in Fort Lauderdale, we're gonna cover topics like building a call center, recruiting a C-suite leadership team, scaling culture, line of sight financial reporting and cost allocations, building a more valuable business by creating equity on balance sheet and leading your own business development team. It's gonna be a great conference. I can't wait to see so many of you there. It is going to be something that's never been done in this industry before. And today on the podcast, one of our sponsors, Jonathan Escal from Escal Law in Boston is going to join us to talk legal with me for a few minutes. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome, everybody, once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports. And as I teased in the introduction, a name that many of you who are our clients, at least, many of you know, Jonathan Escal of Escal Law in Boston. They're a tremendous firm. We refer a lot of clients to John and his team for both formation and transactional work, and they do a class A job, and they're one of our sponsors and a partner on our Building Your Enterprise Platform conference in a few weeks. John, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today, my friend. Aaron, it's great to be here. Uh, we love working with you and, and your team over at Polaris, and you guys do a great, uh, great job as well. Well, the feeling is is mutual, and that makes things uh, even easier. So there are a lot of people in the audience, um, uh, be they clients or just uh, subscribers to the podcast, who know Escal Law and maybe know you personally, having worked with you or at least seen you speak on a, 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 a stage before. Um, but for those who don't, why don't I give you a quick second to fill our audience in on on who you are, what you do, and then we can dive into some of the nitty gritty from there. Yeah, no, Perrin, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll start with kind of the professional side of things. Um, so I actually grew up in a family of dentists. Not not many people know that. Uh, that's how I got into this world. Um, my father, a grandfather, a bunch of cousins and uncles as well, and you know. There was a period of time in my life where I thought I might go into dentistry and realized that that side of my brain didn't work very well. And so ultimately made my way over to law, but always knew I wanted to work with uh, dentists and in the healthcare you know, industry in particular. Um, when I came out of law school, it was about 12 years ago, and it was a pretty interesting time in the industry because you know, I call it the beginning of the most recent wave of consolidation. Um, you know, we, obviously there were groups like Heartland and Aspen and some of these groups that have been, you know, around for 20, 30 plus years, right? They, they were there. And so consolidation wasn't necessarily a new thing. It wasn't novel, but it certainly, the landscape certainly didn't look like it does today, right? With so many groups out there, so many different, you know, smaller, regional, local, you know, groups, 
that are, that are out there. It, it just is a totally different landscape with a lot of different players and a lot of different people who are able to kind of take that, you know, growth and scale vision and put it into practice. And so one of the things that, you know, you know, when I started at a big law firm, you know, we got the opportunity to work with a lot of, um, you know, both private dentists, uh, but also a lot of uh, group practices. And we realized, I realized through that experience, uh, I guess two things. One, there weren't a lot of lawyers out there who actually understood dentistry and actually understood kind of the transactional or M&A or private equity side of things. And then the second thing I, I realized was that most dentists or healthcare professionals out there, they don't care what firm you're at, right? They just want, you know, just that class A excellent service and that great experience. Uh, and, and so um, for me, and, and you know, it, it be, the time was right to go out and, and start my own firm. And that's how Escal Law Group was, was born. And I think for us at Escal Law Group, you know, we try to do something that is, you know, pretty unique from a, a legal services standpoint, which is we actually talk about client experience and we actually practice delivering a great client experience. Um, for most lawyers, um, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously, you know, the, the number one job is to do a great job on the legal side. And, and we feel like we do that. Uh, but for us, you know, we feel like that client experience piece is, is often missing in the, um, in the legal world. And that's something that we really pride ourselves on. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would echo that, Jonathan. I mean, y'all do a tremendous job at that. And let me let me just you know push and add a little bit of specificity to this for our audience. So, you know, we have done transactions with y'all. We've done uh, we've helped we've we've led client journeys with you. That's on the formation side of things. We've done partnerships. We've done associate equity models, uh, and probably a lot of other things that I'm forgetting, but there's not a whole heck of a lot that we haven't had uh, a mutual client experience with. And while we, while we feel so strongly about working with you and your team on that, you know, I, I think there are a lot of dentists that start out working uh, with a, uh, a lawyer or a, a firm on on sort of the compliance side of things like you know employment agreements and just some bare bones type things and they're they're typically sole proprietorships or or, or single owner businesses is a better way of putting it um and then when they start you know going into building a group you start entertaining the prospect of bringing in minority partners or equal partners or something like that and all of a sudden you know the the operating agreement actually means something at that point. You know, um, how does the business govern itself um, when it's not 100% owned by one individual? And then if we're building a true DSO with a, uh, a management services agreement and some type of management services fee, how do we know that all that's compliant? And then how does all this, you know, sync up together and, and be airtight? There's a lot to it. And I think the the typical journey for a dentist is they start out with an attorney that just kind of checks a couple of boxes and then they get things get really complicated in a hurry. And if they're not careful, the attorney, they're going to ask the attorney for a document. The attorney is going to provide them the document as if it's just to check a box and, and the business owner isn't going to understand it. And y'all and, and the your team, you specifically and your team, take a lot of time and put forth a lot of effort 
on what I would call like a, a legal educational process, you know, that allows somebody to get comfortable with the business they're building from a legal construct standpoint and, and to truly understand the rationale behind a lot of it. And I think that is substantially different than arguably a lot of the larger firms that are out there um, where, where it's just kind of like boilerplate stuff, rubber stamp it, checkbox and move on. I, I wonder if you could maybe just talk a little bit more about some of what I alluded to experientially and, and also just from the, the, the time that you take with clients, because I think that's truly invaluable. Yeah, sure. Um, and I'll kind of go in reverse order there. Uh, you know, in terms of, of our approach with clients, again, it kind of goes back to client experience. You know, we're, uh, you know, from our standpoint, there's really two things that we focus on from a client experience standpoint. One is communication, right? And, and it sounds simple, but it's not. Right. And and there's two components of communication, at least the way we look at it. There's quantitative communication. There's qualitative communication, quantitative, meaning, you know, what's your availability, reliability, accessibility. Right. And that's something that we pride ourselves on for kind of, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, responsiveness and, and being quick on our, our, our responses to our clients, whether it's our flexibility in terms of hours that we're willing to speak with our clients. But in some ways, that's that's the easier side of communication. Um, the other component is the qualitative side. And that's really the, the harder part. And, and that's where we, I feel like we shine and we put a lot of, uh, take a lot of pride in. And that's, you know, our ability to be very practical. I call it ruthlessly practical and how we look at things. What are our clients going to care about? Do they care about some, you know, archaic legal theory that in hearing, you know, us, you know, uh, you know, proselytize on it. No, they don't, they couldn't care less about that. Our clients couldn't care. They care about what's going to impact them on a day in day out basis. Right. And, and that's the stuff that we focus on. We also are very practical and, 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 and in our approach in terms of how we prioritize issues. Right. So not all issues are the same, right? Not all, you know, our clients don't care about all the issues that are the same. And frankly, different clients have different uh, priority. Uh, and list and things that they care about or don't care about. And so for us, we, we very much value our ability to prioritize um, and empower, frankly, our clients to help them make the decisions that they, that they need to make, right? So the communication piece is critical for us. The other piece is transparency, right? And that's transparency in a whole lot of different ways. It's transparency in terms of process, right? It's, we never want our clients to feel like their deal or their structure or their reorganization is kind of falling into a black hole, right? So, so that piece is, is important from a transparency standpoint. And then there's transparency in terms of team and transparency in terms of cost, right? And just, you know, very quickly, you know, from a, a team standpoint, we have a very streamlined team, very senior team. I'm actually the youngest person on our team. And, you know, we, you know, it's not like, you know, we talk to one person and then like 12 other you know, junior people in a closet somewhere actually do the work, right? It's, it's the people that you're talking to, the people that you're building relationships with who are doing the work. And then from a fee standpoint, you know, we do everything, pretty much everything on a flat fee, flat transparent uh, fee basis. So our clients know from day one what we're getting into and what they're getting into. Um, you know, to go back to your first point, you know, about experience, you know, we pride ourselves really, you know, on, on being able to, kind of span the globe in a way in terms of, of the types of things that we're able to do. I mean, at a, at a macro level, you know, we kind of do the, uh, you know, the, the build, structure, grow, sell, 
model, right? Where we help our clients organize their, their house, so to speak, and get their, their structure set up right. We help our clients grow, whether it's through acquisitions or de novos and kind of effectively be their buy side rep- representation. And then ultimately, when our clients are looking to exit or take on investment, um, we're right there. And the cool thing about, I think, the cool thing about our firm is that because we're streamlined, because we're more of a boutique firm, we can handle the $100,000 deals and the you know, mergers or fold-ins, right? Just as you know, deftly as we can handle the $100 million plus deals or $200 million you know, dollar plus deals. Right. And so for us, you know, it's very much a relationship um, uh, process for us where we really in a perfect world, our, our perfect client relationship is one where we get in early, help our clients with the, the growth and, and building of what they're looking to, what their vision is, um, help them then kind of continue to build that and grow that. And then ultimately get to a point where they're looking to, to sell and, and really, you know, meet some personal needs and maybe even get life changing you know, money out of it. Um, and then we're there for that process as well. And we can kind of be there throughout the whole, the whole, the whole uh, journey. Yeah. You know, everything you're describing right there is, is akin to a client feeling like they, they have basically everything, but in-house legal counsel, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's yeah. like the, the, the really, the, the sticky nature of the relationship with y'all uh, and the, the multitude of roles that you can play is, uh, uh, is really, really special. Well, it's interesting, Perrin, that you say that because, you know, two, uh, two of our, our senior attorneys, um, both on the, who, who focus more on kind of the, the, you know, group practice side of things. Um, two of them are former in-house attorneys, right? One at a, a large private equity fund and one at a large DSO group or, you know, a, a, a dental group. And so that whole in-house, that, that mindset, um, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You know, we actually have that experience, you know, in addition to just saying we, we do that. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, uh, um, I did not know that. I, I mean, I kind of stumbled onto it. I guess a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again, as they say, but um, I, <laughs> I, I don't thing. find that hard to, to believe whatsoever, uh, knowing y'all as, as well as I do and, and also having, you know, worked with uh, uh, so many mutual clients uh, through the years. So it's it really is a uh, a special relationship, and y'all provide more than just a a service. Uh, it is a, a great experience, and our clients remark about that frequently. So um, that's that's tremendous. I, you, for for those in the audience uh, who are going to be joining us, um, in a couple of weeks down in Fort Lauderdale, or maybe uh, actually next week, I keep feeling like it's a long way away. It isn't, um, they'll mm-hmm. get a chance to, to meet you and interact with you in, in person, spend some time with you. Um, and you'll be speaking on a, a conference we're going to have in the fall. So we'll have you back and talk a little bit more about that a little bit further down the road. But I'm wondering, you know, in our, our remaining uh, couple of minutes here, if there's anything kind of like top of mind that you're seeing in the in the world of dentistry right now, be it trends, projections, um, work that you've uh, clients you've worked with and um, things that you've been working on over the last couple of months or leading up to today. Any any kind of big picture topics or commentary you'd care to share? Man, it is a it is an interesting world out there right now. Um you know, there's so many different ways, frankly, Perrin, that I could I could go with this. I think, 
you know, you look at, um, let's start with the two kind of extremes, right? You've got the, the, the larger DSOs um, on one side, and then you've got kind of the solo practitioners on the other side, right? I think one of the things we're seeing from the larger, in the larger DSO world um, is that there's kind of two different camps. Uh, there's the camp of, of groups, large groups out there that are looking at things very opportunistically and, and really kind of honestly growing at just as fast, if not faster uh, of a pace than they you know, have in recent years. Um, and there's also, frankly, a lot of larger DSOs that we are seeing kind of, you know, uh, buckle up a little bit and, and slow things down and, and, you know, maybe focus more on, you know, the health of their kind of current organization as opposed to going out and, um, and, and doing a lot more acquisitions, right? So the acquisition market, I think, or the, the sale market, depending on which side of the table you're on, is definitely a bit slower um, than it's been. But it's still there's still a lot of action going on, um, and and there's a lot of groups that are still buying, and it's for, you know so that's a that's that's kind of the large DSO side. I think from a, a private practice side, I do think there are interest rate um, reasons uh, for for why you know those transactions and more of the private industry have, have slowed down a bit um, as well. I think there's a lot of wait and see um, for everyone in the market because no one really knows you know what what's going to be happening in the next you know six to to twelve months. Um, but there's still transactions to be had. And again, like I was saying with the larger DSOs, it's, it's opportunistic because values are, are coming down a little bit. I think the interest, you know, even somewhat even more interesting than those two kind of extremes, you've got kind of that, that middle group, you know, where you, meaning like the, the people who have, or the, the dentists or entrepreneurs who have, I don't know, two, three, four, 10, 15 locations, right? And, and those groups, are in a really interesting position. We're seeing a lot of activity because they're either out there buying because maybe there's less competition from the larger DSOs um, or they're spending a lot of time and effort kind of hunkering down and, and reorganizing and making sure that they've got their structure in place, making sure that they've got the, the DSO documents and the, from a regulatory side, they're compliant, making sure that you alluded to partnership agreements, making sure that they've got you know, the, the right partnership agreements in place because they want to start focusing on associate retention. Uh, something I know that you guys have some really interesting models, obviously, with Polaris and, and, and some of the, 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 the earning and, and, and equity models uh, and profits interests that you guys, um, that you guys do, which is, which is great. Um, so it's, it's, you know, a lot, of, a lot of internal focus with those kind of smaller group practices uh, to really make sure that they've got their systems in place and, and they're kind of getting themselves ready for, for hopefully um, what will be a, a continue to be a pretty active next few years. Yeah, I think that's a an interesting commentary and I would echo a lot of that because I think you're you're right. At the top end of the food chain, there are a lot of a lot of private equity backed DSOs that are a little bit upside down in terms of their leverage ratios and covenant structures and it's created kind of a stall in the top of the market. And, you know, those that aren't suffering those same leverage challenges have have a much uh, uh, bigger playing field now with fewer fewer competitors. But I think for for those that are in the emerging group space, that 10 to 20 location segment, and that's going to be a lot of what's going to be a lot of the business owners who are going to be with us next week in Florida. You know, this is a tremendous opportunity for expansion. 
Um, and uh, I, I, we're starting to see more of that. So it, it's kind of an interesting bubbling in the middle uh, segment of, of the space. And it, it's never a dull moment in this world, that's for sure. So um, uh, which probably is good because it keeps you and your team and me and my team employed. So um, there'll always, always be more work to do. Um, Jonathan, uh, you're a busy guy. There are a lot of demands on your time, and I can't thank you enough for joining me on the show today. I can't thank you and uh, your team at SCAL Law Group for being a, a sponsor um, uh, with us next week in Fort Lauderdale. You'll be speaking on the fall conference, and there'll be more information coming about that. But you've been such a an advocate of ours, a, a great resource, and such a, a wonderful um, experience for so many of our clients. We really appreciate the partnership, the fellowship, and, and everything you do. And it's a pleasure to be working with you. So thank you for, for taking some time out of your busy schedule and joining me on the show today, my friend. Yeah, Perrin, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, right back at you. You guys run a, a really top-shelf organization, and it's, it's always a pleasure to chat with you um, and uh, to, to work with you. So thanks a lot, and uh, looking forward to coming back and doing it again soon. Beers will be on me when I see you next week uh, for sure. So um, looking uh, I'll remember but- that. This is on record, right? <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm afraid you know you can you can literally rewind the tape on that one. So it'll uh, exactly. it'll it'll be fun. And for those in the audience uh, who will be with us in Fort Lauderdale, like I mentioned, you'll have the opportunity to um, to get to meet John and and some of his team and spend a little bit of quality time with them, get to know them uh, in person. Thanks so much for being a listener and a subscriber. If we don't see you next week in Fort Lauderdale. We'll see you on the next episode. Cheers, everybody.